Hello and welcome back to Movies on My Mind. I'm Rosie and the movie on my mind this week that I'm recording a week later than I should have already recorded is Edward Scissorhands. 1990, directed by, of course, Tim Burton. We're back again with another Tim Burton film since I did Sleepy Hollow a few weeks back. So everyone voted for this one on the poll on Instagram. I was torn between this one and The Nightmare Before Christmas considering we are halfway between Halloween and Christmas already, which is crazy. I don't even know where the year has gone. I'm a little bit scared. I kind of am not accepting the fact that winter is here, but I'm just going to forget about that for a second. And yeah, so everyone chose Elvis of the Hands and I think that they're different films, different films of course, but they have this association with Tim Burton as well, which is why I grouped them together. Although I do group, I will group the choices very, very strangely. And if you don't know anything about this, then you can follow my Instagram where I will be doing polls and I'll let you choose the films. My Instagram is at moviesonmymindpod and just give it a follow and yeah I post polls, I post updates, all that kind of thing on there and I'm trying to make them as fun as possible but I'm I'm very bad at social media so I have no idea how any of this has happened. Let me get started then on Edward Scissorhands. So strangely enough as you know in my other episodes I have said I'm a pretty big Tim Burton fan, I like all of his stuff. I really love the aesthetic of his stuff as well, which I have talked about many, many times. <laughs> but I actually hadn't seen this all the way through until very recently, which is so bad. I can't believe I've never seen this film all the way through. I don't know why. I think I saw it like when I was younger and stuff on TV for like two seconds, but it was always turned off. So <laughs> I never saw all of it. And yeah, I just, I just saw it and I was like, I've never seen this before. I watched it with my sister and she was like, she hadn't seen it that much either and was like, oh, I've seen half of it already. And it it put me in a weird mood and I was like, oh no, okay. (laughs) Anyway, I really love this film. This film is so lovely and I think that it's perfectly structured. I think the runtime, it just goes so quickly. Well, anyway, it did the first time I watched it anyway. And it's just really nice. It really reminds me of E.T. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It it does remind me of E.T. So, like, that kind of mystical creature comes in and everyone's like, oh my god, who is it? Who, what is this thing? And then they end up being best friends at the end. Uh, That kind of thing. And there's all this, like, tension and conflict and stuff. Very much reminds me of Edward Scissorhands. Anyway, so the plot of this film, let's get started with that. So, this guy called Edward Scissorhands, played by Johnny Depp, of course, he is, like, He lives in this, like, really big castle tower thing, like, Rapunzel-esque. And this old inventor man, and he, like, wants to create um, robots to help him do stuff, but also kind of people. Um, It's very Frankenstein-based, which I will talk about because I love that book. Anyway, so he goes to create this new man, and he has scissors for hands because he, like, likes to make... He likes the robots to make stuff for him like I think they make cookies or something but anyway so he makes a man 
with scissors as hands and he kind of treats him as his own son but kind of locks him away from everyone else because he's not a real person that's not really put into too much detail because the main part of this film is someone comes and discovers him and it's uh, this woman who is trying to get her avon quota for the day goes in and discovers edward and she's like oh my god what the hell is this but anyway she's really nice to him open arms really accepting of him and goes you can live with us so this big castle is like i think it's called a mansion i don't think it's called a castle but it looks like a castle and then there's this really colorful really 1950s housewife neighborhood uh that's underneath and they're all in colour, and this castle's like gothic black, and she brings Edward into this world, and at first, he is kind of seen as a novelty, and it kind of progresses really crazily, where these people don't see him as a real person, and there's that battle between accepting him, but also not manipulating him, and using him, and then by the end it gets even worse and there's kind of like a bit of a witch hunt that goes on to try and get him and kill him and and then there's the end uh which i won't spoil why no i'm not gonna spoil the end this time i've decided i will probably later in the podcast (laughs) i'm not spoiling the end i've decided this time yeah i won't tell you what happens at the end but anyway it's all kind of told as a story this old woman tells a story to this younger boy and the old woman is the Winona Ryder character um, in the story, basically, as an old woman retelling it. So that's kind of what happens. We'll go into more depth, but that's basically the plot. I'm happy with that and I won't spoil it until I need to make a point about it. Okay, so I think what I'm going to start with is I'm just going to compare the story to Frankenstein, which is a book written by Mary Shelley. Iconic book. It is very dark. It is very gothic. I really like that book. It's very angsty. (laughs) And it's very interesting because basically the story of the book is Frankenstein man, Dr. Frankenstein, is an inventor and he wants to create a person. He wants to play God and he wants to make his own person out of like dead other dead things. Other dead people, puts them together, electrifies them turns into a person and he does and he creates this creature and the creature is the monster and basically the monster wants to break free he kind of goes out into the world causes havoc is a little bit of a savage but again he is a creation from frankenstein he didn't really think about his (laughs) consequences of that and yeah he causes havoc does some bad stuff and i can't even remember what happens in the end this is so awful. I'm saying I like this book. I can't remember what happens in the end. It's been a while since I've read it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think a lot of people get out alive, to be honest. Right, I'm gonna come up, I'm gonna get a summary up of this because I don't want to give you the wrong facts. Yeah. So basically, for being brought into this world, the monster kind of projects his revenge of his own creation out onto the world in a really violent way. So he attacks people. He yeah, it's just not great. He murders people. Yeah, he does that. I remember that. Okay, there's a big showdown at the end after all this chaos anyway. And they both die. The creator and the creation both die. Interesting, you say. Now, this is really interesting because I think that this film, Edward Scissorhands, is a lot of it is based off of this story. And considering its gothic origins, it's definitely within the aesthetic and the kind of niche of Tim Burton 100%. They are 
interlinked. And I really like how this is different. This is more of a fairy tale version of that story. Um, and it is a, it's a very modern way. Less, less gritty than that. But if I thought it was really interesting in terms of Edward's character. So he is created by his creator, his inventor, for a purpose. He's not necessarily, well, it's, un, it's unclear what his purpose is, but he is created with a, you know, which is to like cut things with his hands because he has scissor hands. And so with that, in terms of the book, the Frankenstein's monster is so angsty and so angry and so I don't know just so built up and horrified and why am I even here really dramatically whereas Edward is kind of like I'm here this is me I'm here I have nothing to say about this I didn't ask for it but I'm here and I'm just gonna do life and that's kind of what he does it's kind of a bit more chill he's never angry he's very much childlike and that's the difference between this uh, interpretation of that kind of story is that the monster is very much full of revenge and full of masculinity in the worst way it kind of misses the childlike steps or if it has the childlike steps in terms of frankenstein's monster it's like a horrified version the child stage is very much skipped over if that makes sense. In Edward Scissorhands, it's like, that's the main part of it, it's the childlike wonder of this, the innocence of this, which makes it beautiful, whereas that's, oh, that's stamped out in Mary Shelley's version. But I love that uh, contrast, because we still have the gothic aesthetics, of course, but this is what I love about Tim Burton, is that he can take all of those crazy, chaotic, kind of scary aesthetics, and then turn them into something that's childlike, and something that's innocent, And when you see both of them side by side, it's such a great contrast, but it's also quite uncanny in terms of, like, having them, like, as the same thing. It's kind of a bit uncomfortable, but that's what I like about it. But yeah, so I I, I like how this story does deviate, but at the end, we have, obviously, the witch hunt. Okay, I'm gonna spoil it. (sighs) I was gonna not spoil it, but I'm gonna have to spoil it. Anyway, it's a happy end in some ways, but basically, at the end, the creator of Edward Scissorhands, the old man, he does die, which actually works in terms of the story structure because his character dies and Edward is left on his own. And obviously at the end of Frankenstein, the creator and the creation both die in the end and they both die alone. Edward Scissorhands doesn't die, but in terms of in society in a metaphorical sense he does because basically i'm gonna give you the massive spoiler he wasn't gonna do it i did it at the end basically the witch hunt goes on they want to kill edward because they think that he's this monster and they go after him and he basically falls in love with winona Ryder's character i can't even know her name is god come on come on rosie honestly she's been slacking i'm really bad remembering character names kim Edward falls in love with Kim and basically she kind of likes him back a little bit because there's a, it's a different kind of love. I'm not going to talk about that. But anyway, her boyfriend, let's get his name. Let's get his name up. He's the guy from The Breakfast Club. Anthony Michael Hall plays Jim, who is her boyfriend. Kim's, oh God, I moved that. Who's Kim's boyfriend and he gets jealous of Edward and he basically is a bit feral and he wants to kill him. He gets his gun out. There is a gun, there is a Chekhov's gun here. And basically what happens in the end is he tries to hurt Kim and then Edward, he kills him and throws him out the window and then 
He's like, what am I going to do? They now, I am a monster. I've basically done what they've, in in so many words, I've done what they want me to do. And Kim's like, no. So she goes out and goes, she like takes a scissor hand that she finds and goes, he's dead, guys. They both killed each other. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like the same thing, but in a metaphorical sense, which is nice. It's a nice play on the original kind of exploration of this story. And that kind of makes him into a martyr character which is really interesting as well, which I'll go on to. But that was a really messy comparison between the two stories there. I'm so very sorry. And that was a massive spoiler as well. So again, so very sorry. So that's kind of like the Edward Cezanne's Frankenstein thing that runs through this film, which again, I really like because I really like those stories and I really like how this is a more family-friendly but also fairy tale like version of that. Okay. What else am I going to say? Because I wrote these notes ages ago. So these are all by memory. I don't even know what I was saying half the time. Okay, let's go on to the martyr bit. Right, we're getting a bit deep here. (laughs) I love how Edward turns into a martyr at the end. Because I feel that way he remains innocent. And he remains romanticised in the eyes of society that rejected him. Obviously, there are so many famous people, so many famous stories. This is like a massive stereotype where a character that is often attacked by the media in terms of anything, really, you know, if they die or they just suddenly disappear, then they're put on this pedestal and all of that horribleness is just washed away. It's gone. It's as if it never existed. And I think... Sadly, in this film, the only way for Edward's character to be truly accepted, truly put on that pedestal and appreciated would be if he died. It would not have worked if he was still living and, you know, still in these people's lives. And that is so horrible to think that because this community of people live in their little pastel houses, they buy Avon products... (laughs) They go to work at the same... Their husbands. It's the housewives that are the most brutal here. Uh, The husbands go to work early in the morning. And I've not seen, right? There's a scene in this where the husbands all go to work at the same time. And it's like the long street. And then they all like go one by one in their cars. Now, I haven't seen Don't Worry Darling. I have not seen that film. I've seen all of the TikToks about it. I've seen all of the spoilers. I know what's going on there. But there's a clip from it that's on TikTok that is that was like a sneak peek of it or someone illegally filmed it I don't know um where all the husbands go to work at the same time and the cars go out into the driveways and it just reminds me of this scene in Edward Scissorhands when all the husbands go to work and they all drive in the same way the same place which is supposedly nowhere but yeah so I don't know why I said that okay so uh yeah we're talking about martyrdom also in terms of Edward's character and now, we're talking about religion again. I'm so sorry. You can turn off bits if you don't want to listen. But she's back in the Bible. And this time, what I really noticed, when you go and see Edward for the first time, he's in his little attic. By the way, I love that attic. I love it. I've seen that attic in my dreams. I can't describe to you the feeling I get when I see that attic. Just the attic space, that's it. With a little big um, fat like hole in the in the ceiling I've seen that somewhere I don't know where I've seen it but it feels like I've been there don't ask that's very strange but when I saw that attic I went oh my god I've been there before I have not been there I don't know anyway 
So when we see him first, he's got like a little bed and then he's got some like, you know how you have like little posters and stuff like that. I mean, if it was Harry Potter's cupboard, he'd have like his little Gryffindor flag, um, his little like poster of Dumbledore, you know, something like that. Um, whereas Edward has uh, the Virgin Mary. <laughs> Yeah, he has, I'm pretty sure it is anyway, uh, but he has like religious images on his thing and he has like miracles on there as well. So you can see that he's done a lot of reading and he obviously is no stranger to this idea of religion and this idea of a higher power that will influence him for good. Now, again, this is another difference from the Frankenstein book. That creature was not looking for God. That creature was looking for Satan. So that is our difference there. But anyway, he has a little picture of the Virgin Mary on there and this martyrdom comes from that. This woman being put on a pedestal, you know, being pure, being worshipped, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, Mary's character herself isn't a martyr per se, in her stories, but in terms of the wider celebration of her and her birth of Jesus, uh, then she kind of is in that category a little bit. And I like that he has that on the wall because it shows that, one, he is looking for a mother figure, which he finds, and you can say that the woman... What's her name? God, she's bad with names. Peg, the woman who's like the mother figure for Edward, um, is very much, you can say that her character is modelled on the Virgin Mary and Edward being Jesus, if you wanted to look at it that way. But yeah, so there is this kind of religious kind of theme that goes through what happens and especially at the end it becomes more poignant. You know, Edward is kind of used as a, a figure, as a martyr of people who are different and people who don't fit into society and are ridiculed and then subsequently um, attacked and just really not accepted. And yeah, I, I like that because that, unfortunately, in this society and within the society within the film and in actual society, that is the only way to make people notice, isn't it? Which is kind of sad. That is the brutality of the herd mindset that when you've got all those people against you, there is, there is nothing you can do. Okay, so... Oh yeah, so one thing about this film that was really interesting, a nice little random touch, but it's not so random, is... So, basically, we introduced this to this at the start of the film, where it's snowing outside. So it's kind of got a little bit of a Christmas undertone, but it's not too crazy. It's snowing. So we're like, okay, cool. It's cold. No. By the end of the film, you realise it's not because it's cold. It's because Edward loves to snip at some ice sculptures. And when he snips at them, the ice particles <laughs> go up into the air and they make snowfall. And that's why it snows. Now, I was thinking, that's very strange. Why... Why is he making the snowfall? And then I was like, oh, okay. So I've got a nice little roundabout thing to say about this. Is basically, as I talked about in the Frankenstein book, the creator is the one playing God in terms of I'm gonna create a person. I am playing the part of God here. Now with Edwards, he is making it snow with his flowing purpose and martyrdom and it's kind of a nice character shift by the end. He starts off as the victim, he is the monster in the story, and by the end, 
he's almost turned into a creator. Like, actually, literally, in terms of he's making ice sculptures and he's making cutting hedges and stuff. But also, metaphorically, in terms of, you know, he's his purpose is therefore then influencing everybody else here because he's made it snow and who can make it snow god you know what i'm saying so obviously i know that snow is not made by god but <laughs> in case you didn't know uh, but you know in terms of like he's now the creator he's he's kind of leveled up from being the created to the creator i love that it's really cute it's nice yeah okay so as well i think this is a something that's explored a bit in the film as well is that phrase is it nurture or is it nature again oh my god i'm just loving the frankenstein references here but in terms of what makes someone accepted villainized or appreciated the difference between that is can be if it is within someone's nature to do bad things like they are born that way or is it to do with how you are nurtured as a child and how your parents and how your friends and how people around you treated you and this is a really interesting discussion that I think this film has because, of course, Edward is different. He is... He's got scissors for hands, guys. He can't do anything. He would just cut things, you know. And he's born with this kind of, like, deformity, this this addition that is not natural. And some people would see that and then see the way he looks i love how he is so different from the aesthetic as well and they would go oh my god he's a monster because he is physically very very different when actually he is not in terms of his character he's completely normal and he's very much childlike being locked in his little tower for how many i don't know how long and one when the woman peg comes to kind of welcome him into her home she is the most nurturing female figure he could possibly have. You know, she is patient with him. She never, ever talks about him being different, being unaccepted. She always accepts him, treats him like a real human being. And again, it kind of does, it pays off because, of course, his nature in itself is not necessarily bad because, of course, he can't help his own creation whatever you know, he's not born, like, deformed in terms of mentally and morally, um, but people just assume that because he's got weapons in his hands, which, I mean, you know, it does, it's people not allowing space for the nurture, I think, people in, in the, in the film just presume that he's this kind of, like, weapon, when actually, if you thought about, if you, if you step back and go, well, how do people treat him? You know, people have let him into their home, sure, you know, they're looking after him, then he's going to be okay. But people in this film do not appreciate or notice that, if that makes sense. That makes no sense. But yeah, so it is whether someone is born that way or not. But at the end of the film, it does not take nurture for the people of the society to accept him they still discriminate him if that makes sense so even when he can prove to them that he is a good member of society they still do not they dehumanize him which shows the brutality of society in terms of and how much it doesn't matter because you know he could be a bad person but he is also a good person and, and people still think the same thing which isn't true so it just shows that it's 
you know, it doesn't matter what people think. But it's a problem when people are thinking the wrong thing on purpose. That's kind of what is going on here. They're purposely discriminating him. Yeah. And also, there are many different cracks in terms of the society. So we see the society, the people pastel people, as and the enemy, of course. But also because we're kind of given little cracks in how they speak and how they act that makes us go, these people are not good people. But they appear good, you know, they're wearing the light colours, they're wearing the uniform, but we are still made to... And I like how we are all the time. We're always, like, side with this guy who's dressed as an emo and has scissors for hands. He's the hero here, you know. Even when that, like, psychological colour theory is thrown at us, which is great. So, like, in terms of, like, there's there's a Christian woman character who is, like, I am religion. He is the devil. He is Satan. And it shows how, in terms of what we know already about Edward's character, is that, you know, he has the Virgin Mary on his little bedstand, you know? He isn't out here he's not worshipping devil okay we already know that but you did not let him have space to think that and it shows the hypocritical views of people in society and how they can preach one thing but then they can say and act in a completely different way which goes against all of their teachings if that makes sense crazy also we have that other woman a very, very bored housewife. She's almost predatory. Well, she is predatory in terms of... We see her at the start flirting with a plumber and her husband. She's married. Of course, we know that because they were married. Um, basically, all of them are married. Um, and she is flirting with this plumber. So all of a sudden, we know that she's not necessarily always looking for good intentions. And when Edward kind of comes onto the scene... She takes him under her wing, kind of takes advantage of his vulnerability and his powerlessness, and she, like, assaults him, which is, like, bizarre, but it also shows again that these people are not who they say they are, you know? They're talking behind everyone's back, they're very toxic. They are taking advantage of people who need help, (laughs) which is actually just awful and again we're given like sometimes really big things that say this but sometimes also little things that make us subconsciously root towards the good in this film so and it it is the big the big lesson like the big moral of the story of this film is being able to decipher between good and bad and again it visually is turned on its head so what we would see as bad is now good and whatever and in terms of Edward's journey as a character he has to learn the difference between in a very kind of harsh way the difference between good people and bad people and good intentions and bad intentions and not being passive he kind of uses this whole film to kind of get himself into a position where he has agency over himself and also other people as well and again all right this is an interesting one but i was thinking if edward was a girl not saying that it should be a girl or anything but if edward's character was a girl the story arc would be very different i think that the lack of agency would be more accepted and seen as normal if edward's character was a girl i think because he's a guy people expect him to have more power so when he has given this lack of power this lack of voice 
it becomes a bit confusing and different because a lot of the male characters are seen as with a lot of power, with a lot of action, with a lot of talking, with, you know, a lot of confidence, whereas Edward's character is is lacking of all of them and also lacking of agency over himself and that would be different if it was a girl because it would be more accepted in that way so the effect wouldn't have been as great in a, in a kind of horrible way because that Rapunzel character is usually a girl um that victim is usually a girl so I think that's quite an interesting exploration there um, and I've read somewhere as well that I think in <sighs> Tim Burton based this on himself and how he felt growing up and I can definitely see that I think this film is definitely a coming of age film in a roundabout way it shows it kind of mixes childlike perception with the horrible reality of the world in a nice way it doesn't make it horrible I think that it is very fairy tale like still even though we've got a lot of obviously the harsh horrible intentions of the people he's surrounded with come to light yeah and in terms of like the gender as well like we see he kind of struggles with a masculinity. He does gain better at the end where he's like, oh my god, I really love Kim, but she's with someone else and he's a dickhead, so I'm going really mad. You know, that kind of toxic masculinity fighting for your gal. We do have a bit of that at the end. I suppose it shows that he does gain masculinity and he gains agency and he gains control in, in a in a, in a gender way. In a gender way, it doesn't make any sense. In like a more accepted way to see on screen if that makes sense because he's the one that kills that horrible guy from the breakfast club (laughs) and he falls out the window and dies so he kind of sacrifices himself for kim lovely but it's her idea to um then say because he's ready to fall for it uh, and she kind of maintains his name so she is the reason he has this kind of martyr status which shows at the end again a real act of love and a real act of community and being nice to each other which does win at the end i guess okay so i'm gonna talk about now just one moment from the end where obviously edward has scissors for hands i could get all freudian with that but i kind of don't want to ruin the film so I'm not gonna do it. But anyway, just one moment from the end of the film where Kim hugs, where Edward tries to hug Kim. I think she says, hold me or something. And he's got scissors for hands, so he can't like do it without hurting anyone. Ah, he's scared. And he can't do it. So then he goes to the window and he like looks out really pensively, like, I'm so sad. <laughs> and then instead, Kim comes up behind. No, she doesn't come up behind him. I think she like, kind of moves his hand so he can hug her and then they kind of stay in hold if that makes sense in kind of a really weird position which reminds me of the painting Gustav Klimt's The Kiss which is I don't know why this painting came to mind but it is basically two figures and when I first saw this painting when I first saw this painting it was a long time ago I thought it was of a parrot now I really 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 can't lie to you it's very worrying i used to think this painting was a parrot and i'm gonna get it up and relive it um my god now this is again a lot of this is different how the hell did i see a bloody parrot where's the parrot here i'm trying to see the parrot it's not here anymore i thought it was a parrot i really did so i was very confused when it was called the kiss because i was like it's a parrot why would you call that painting the kiss 
Anyway, so what it is, it's like a really weird hold of two people and they're under like one cloak. So it's quite an intimate moment and the woman is like, she looks like she's dead. She looks like she's asleep. And this man's head is like, as if he's like kind of kissing her, but kind of kissing her on the cheek. So a lot of people say about this painting as being a more, well, it's kind of like a romantic painting, I guess. Although it's very, very, um unnatural and the I've, I've heard people discuss it as more of a platonic kiss instead of a romantic kiss which is interesting but it's very unnatural and it reminds me of obviously when they hug each other in this film because again that is very unnatural and it kind of shows uncom like of like um being uncomfortable to be close with someone um and that obviously is edward's whole entire arc because of his scissor hands, very obviously. And kind of awkwardness of adolescence and when you like someone but you're too scared and that kind of thing. And yeah, it's also really sweet as well because it just shows a real moment between two characters and that they're on the same page. You know, they're this painting has the cloak over it. They're both they're both under the cloak, they're both under the same issues, the same roof, that kind of thing. So it's nice. It's nice, it's real nice. Also, another reminder of that scene for me is in Channel 4's, but the TV show, The End of the Fucking World, I love that TV show, and there is a lovely, lovely scene. I think it's like the first or the second episode, uh, and the characters James and Alyssa, and James thinks he's a serial killer and wants to kill Alyssa, but Alyssa thinks he's just a random boy who fancies her, and so she's like, hug me. So they're basically lying on this bed and she's like, hug me. And he's like, what do I do? So he puts his arms around her and then he just stares at the ceiling. And it's almost like a break of the fourth wall. And he's like, oh my God, I'm like, I've got her. Am I going to kill her? Kind of thing. No, he's not a serial killer. Spoiler alert. He's just a very traumatised child. <laughs> but that reminds me of that as well. It's a very unnatural thing. And I guess it shows a struggle with masculinity. You could talk about that because it's the guy who's the one who's uncomfortable here and again it makes sense to how Tim Burton must have felt growing up being different and not really knowing what's going on um so yeah I think it's a really cute scene okay but there's also a danger in this a very obvious danger in terms of you know, if he makes a wrong move, then he's gonna cut her, he's gonna hurt her, and you can take that in whatever sense you will. It shows a very fine line between this emotional safety and security, which could be broken any second. It shows, yeah, a very... This innocent love is very pure and very beautiful, but a wrong move can ruin it for everyone as well i really loved how winona Ryder's character kim she obviously winona Ryder has dark hair but she has blonde hair tim burton loves a femme fatale very similarly in sleepy hollow um katrina is wearing all white she's got a white wig on whatever blonde wig um same with winona Ryder in this one she doesn't necessarily wear rock white she wears a lot of yellow kind of happy nice colors but yeah i liked how that kind of that really, it really emphasises the innocence here and the innocent love here. And the pure love here. Right, okay. I think that's it for 
big points. There's so much more I could talk about in this film. I really love it. There's so many different ways you can look at it as well. Um, obviously, the main points being that Edward Scissorhands is a martyr. He is an outsider character that is sacrificed at the end um, in order for not necessarily the greater good, but basically the greater peace of society, which again is very sad. And it represents that how sometimes you are just you just don't belong somewhere and you can't keep staying there. You have to you have to do something else, if that makes sense. That's so sad. But you can't just stay where you don't belong, if that makes sense. Um, but anyway, yeah, really love it. I'm going to talk about the acting now because I've got a lot to say. Um, the acting appreciation. Okay, so I really... There's a lot of stuff about the acting I love in this film. So to start off with, I'm going to talk about Johnny Depp. I think this is one of his best roles. Oh, she said it. Yeah, I just... I love his physicality in this. I think that it really makes the character. I think that even without all of the makeup it would have worked. I think that he really went for it. Um, And I really love how he can play a very contrasting kind of character. I mean, he can play the more kind of like, oh, this is, I'm not going to even give you, like he can play like a Jack Sparrow, right? Really well. But is Jack Sparrow Edward Scissorhands? No, no. I just love that binary there. I just think that's so, so amazing. I don't know how he does it, but, you know. But yeah, I just, I really love it because he's so, his emotions are are there, 100% they're there. You can see them, but he doesn't have to say anything and he doesn't have a lot of lines in this, yet this film is called Edward Scissorhands. And you feel like he's a massive part of the film. You can feel kind of the energy of the character. But yeah, he's not saying anything. Amazing. It's so hard to do that. So, I really love that. Um, Okay, next up, I'm going to talk about Winona Ryder. Now, unpopular opinion, I really hate her in the prosthetics, I don't hate her, at at the start of the film as an old woman. I hate that. I really don't like that. I hate an old person reading a story to a little kid and then the movie beginning. It's not for me. Not for me. It's the same in The Princess Bride. And it annoys the hell out of me. Whatever film was it in? <laughs> I could give you another example. Oh, I just hate them. I don't know. I just hate it. It's so annoying. Just get on with the story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in, like, the Titanic. It's in the notebook. No. Stop. Stop it. I don't like it. When I can accept it is in a Wes Anderson film. That's it. I don't like it. Stop it. Anyway, apart from when she was an old woman... Uh, I think her Kim character was, it was nice, but again, Tim Burton, oh, he doesn't love giving those characters tons of agency. I would have liked more from her character, if that makes sense. And there wasn't too much for her to work with, but in terms of her emotional journey, I kind of felt like it started off good and then it just went to zero to a hundred really quickly and I was confused. So kind of wanted more in terms of that but again this is a short film it's not long so you don't have a lot of time but that's the only thing I'd say there like mm, I like it but I need more okay so now I'm gonna do a massive rant about Anthony what's his second name Anthony Michael Hall is that his name yes Anthony Michael Hall I hate him in this film that's so horrible so strong I hate him in this film 
he's so annoying. His acting is not good. She said it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I've seen The Breakfast Club. I like The Breakfast Club. Although I might have to review it again because I'm not... It. I saw it a long time ago, so I might have to have another look. He was fine in that. There was no issues for me. No issues at all. And then he's in this film. And I'm like, who is this guy? Who does this guy think he is? There is nothing behind his eyes. He overacts loads, but doesn't need to. Obviously, he plays a great bad guy, but the acting could have been a bit better. But it does, yeah, feel really random. Like, just the way he delivers lines as well. I'm like, what am I watching? Yeah, he ruins it for me. This film is not ruined. I love this film, but he is a bad thing about this film. I don't like it. Again, obviously, making him bad acting does make sense because that would, that really, when you, when he dies, you're like, thank fuck he's dead. But, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like him. He's annoying. I don't like him. I don't know how he went from the breakfast club to this. He's obviously been in other stuff, of course, but how he went from that to this, I have no idea because he's like not the same person. Okay. And then obviously there's there's more there's the guy from mr mcgorium's wonder emporium the guy who wears the hats the little kid uh he's in this kyle i think his name is there's no issues with him that worked diane weist i love her in this i really do i love her character in this i love i love it i think that she's perfectly cast she portrays emotion again really really well you can see how much she cares about edward in this and that is the most heartbreaking thing and I think if we didn't have that then we would not feel the same things at the end of the film and I I like how she is against with Johnny Depp because they have a lot of scenes together um because obviously she finds him and takes him into a house and stuff and he is the primary caregiver for him she she is sorry I don't know what I said but you know so they're a main relationship in this film and I really love it. It works really well. And there's there's great nuance in their relationship. Um, I like it. So apart from my, Michael Anthony Hall, everyone else is fine. <laughs> no, uh, but those are my kind of main things I want to talk about in terms of performance. But again, I really love it. And I really love how I'm going to talk about Johnny Depp again, but I really love how somebody else could have played Edward Scissorhands and like made him like a robot but the one thing I never ever felt watching this film you never feel like he's a robot you feel like he's a real person it's like E.T. E.T. is a puppet but you feel like E.T. is a real person the same with Edward Scissorhands of course you know he's got scissors for hands but he's a real person he is not like a an object okay so I'm gonna stop here but I've been talking about this for ages um I really like this film it's really cute really fairy tale like I think a lot of you liked it as well because you picked it but yeah and then of course next week no not next week today or tomorrow I'm gonna be recording the Moulin Rouge episode which has been picked um another one so I'm gonna work on that one but they should be out these should be out on Tuesday I don't know what's gonna happen. Is she gonna make it? I don't know, but I'm gonna have to do that episode as well. <laughs> until next time, until next time, which may be sooner than you think. <laughs>